church. My name is Cody Tooley. I am the son of John and Jennifer Tooley. And in here in four days, I'm actually going to be going back into my sophomore year at Oklahoma Baptist University. Uh, and to say that, yeah. Uh, and so this, uh, to say that OBU has had a huge influence on me is, uh, is really an understatement. Um, most of our pastoral staff here are from OBU. You have Chris Wall. Chad Balthrop, uh, Brad Ayler, Grant Collins, and their, their families, but also some of my friends, too, Andrew Joyce, Emily Wall, uh, and then we have a couple of other students that are coming in a few days as well, uh, Kaylee Bernard and Corey Sines, uh, and so it's just this awesome experience that, that pushes you to grow, and uh, anyway, so this morning, it's my honor and my privilege to be able to introduce the president of you, Dr. David Whitlock. He's going to be with us this morning and to uh, bring God's word. So if you guys will uh, bow your heads with me and, and uh, we'll pray, and uh, he'll come up and bring the word. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much just for the, uh, the grace that you've given us. Um, God, we don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your sal- the salvation that you've offered to us. And I just thank you so much for another day to be able to, to wake up and be able to get it right. Um, God, just as we, as we dive into your word, Lord, I pray that we are uh, genuine in our search for you, God. And that the, the, what we learned this morning does not just stay here at church. But, God, it goes out of these four walls and it goes into the community and it makes a difference uh, for you, God. So, your heavenly name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll just admit something right up front. I'd been working on a sermon for you. I know you're in the Psalms and I had been working on one and uh, discovered that y'all had already heard that psalm. And uh, so, in the week uh, leading up, this morning, I was praying about what to preach since I had discovered you had already heard the psalm that I had uh, been uh, preparing on. So you're going to get to hear what I preached this summer uh, on my mission trip to uh, Korea. So that'll bless you, won't it? We're going to be in Genesis this morning, and the title of my sermon is A Wonderful Life. It's an ironic sermon considering that we're going to be talking about someone who, if you ever think of her at all, and most people don't, the thing that you'll probably think of when I mention her name is pity. If you think of her at all, you'll probably have sort of a feeling of being sorry for her. Her name was Leah. Leah is an Old Testament character that most people just sort of read over. She's only mentioned in a few verses. Most of what we know about her is in chapters 29 and 30. She, she's mentioned a couple of other places. She's mentioned in the, in the 49th chapter of Genesis again. And she's mentioned in Ruth as they're praying a blessing over Ruth. She's mentioned. But that's about all we know of Leah. And the, and the biggest part of it are in the verses that we're going to read this morning in chapters 29 and 30, if you want to kind of hold your place over there. But let me sort of set this up. By the way, I looked in the program this morning. The picture of me, uh, that's only 18 months old. But man, have I aged in the last 18 months, haven't I? And I, just, I was looking at that and thinking the last 18 months have been hard on me. That's pretty depressing, but uh, I saw so many people in your church have beards on the staff that I felt obliged to grow one before I got here. Just didn't know it was going to be white this time when I grew it in. So if you're kind of thumbed over there, kind of hold your place in Genesis chapter 29 and 30. And let me just set this up for you as a reminder. Esau and Jacob have had words 
Esau's threatening to kill Jacob, and so he escapes and goes and finds a relative in a faraway spot who's his uncle named Laban, or Laban. Uh, I'm from Wayne, Oklahoma. Anybody know where Wayne, Wayne, Oklahoma is? Everybody ever heard of it? Yeah, I know a lot of people go around bragging they're from Wayne, but I really am. And uh, we're going to say Laban from McLean County. We say Laban. And he went to Laban's house to find a wife per his instructions from his mom, Rachel. And Jacob meets on his way there uh, at a well. He meets this beautiful daughter of Laban named uh, Rachel. Jacob meets Rachel. He's pretty taken, pretty smitten. And uh, he's introduced and she runs home ahead of him and tells her father, Laban, what's, it, what's transpired. And she tells her, uh, her whole household and included her sister, her older sister, Leah. The first time we ever hear of Leah and Rachel and uh, Laban and the family is when when, when they're introduced earlier in Genesis, a few chapter, a few verses before we hit, and it talks about Rachel being beautiful and Leah being of delicate eyes in the uh, King James. In the old King James and in some other versions, they, they, they'll translate it weak in the eyes. Some translators have called Leah weak on the eyes. Some have surmised that she wasn't that attractive, that she was plain to look at. Uh, they contrast Rachel, the younger sister, as beautiful, and Leah, a little plain to look at, not attractive. The older, ugly sister is one way of kind of picturing her as she's presented uh, in the Bible. I, I kind of I relate to Leah. Uh, I'm not the older, ugly sister. I'm the older, ugly brother. I had two twin sisters, identical blondes. Uh, identical twins, blonde, blue-eyed, beautiful little girls, 19 months younger than me. My whole life, I can summarize with one illustration. My entire life was, was the life of Leah. Every reunion I ever went to, every event I ever went to at a high school game, all growing up was this, beginning when I was a little boy, going to see family at reunions, well, hello, David. Oh, would you look at the little twins, right? I know, what it, I know what it's like being the ugly older sibling. And that's the life of Leah. She was weak on the eyes. I've heard some describe that in the Old Testament that uh, one of the translations of her name might have been wild cow. I don't know whether that's true or not. Uh, and that Rachel might have been translated pretty little ewe lamb. That's sweet, isn't it? Uh, you get the picture of the, of the two. And, 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 we, and we see Rachel coming back and telling the whole family, there's this good-looking, rich heir of Abraham and Isaac. And he's on the way here. And he's, and he's been sent here to our home to find a wife. He's, he's Abraham's heir. He's Isaac's heir. He's wealthy. He's handsome. He's coming here to get a wife. Laban was thrilled. He's excited. The dowry is exciting. 
I mean, he's about to be wealthy himself. He's about to be related to a wealthy. And, and, and Rachel was excited, clearly, but nobody would have been more excited, in my humble opinion, than Leah. She's the oldest daughter. She would have been the one who would have been most excited because it would have been custom that she would have been married off. And so, for months, Laban has Jacob stay in their home. And Leah would have pined away. Every indication is Leah fell head over heels for this man Jacob. All the while, perhaps she was weak in the eyes and nearsighted. But she either overlooked or didn't see Jacob and Rachel kind of making eyes at each other. She ignored the fact that Jacob had eyes for Rachel. And when the time come to, came to strike a, strike a deal... He wanted to marry Rachel, and Laban struck a deal that for seven years' labor, Jacob could have the hand of his daughter in marriage. You remember the story. Uh, you know the story well. Seven years of labor was struck. Seven years of labor was provided, and the, and the day came for the marriage. You remember what happened. Laban tricked the trickster, and instead of giving Rachel to him they put the wedding garb on and put the veil and all of the wedding paraphernalia on and disguised Leah as the bride and the bride was ushered into the the uh, the bridal chamber and the next morning Jacob wakes up next to a wild cow instead of a little ewe lamb and he's unhappy and he approaches Laban and protests. And, and Laban says, well, you understand, in our culture, the oldest daughter has to be married off first. You, you, you certainly, surely, you, you had to understand that. And, and I'll tell you what we'll do. And if you read these chapters leading up to this, these verses leading up to the point that we'll pick the story, you'll discover that they struck another deal. For seven more years of labor, you can have Rachel's hand. But these are the two conditions. Seven more years of labor, that's one condition. And the second condition is you have to stay married to Leah. Con finish, complete your wedding week. In other words, keep your wedding vows to Leah. Stay married to Leah, and you can also have Rachel. Now, we're not going to go into it, Pastor, but there's a whole other sermon that can be preached all along these verses that we're going to talk about on marriage. It's not the focus this morning, but the, back, but the backdrop is marriage. Uh, the backdrop of Leah's sorrow is a bad marriage. In fact, uh, we see the whole setup for a bad marriage in that they're not following God's perfect plan for a marriage from the get-go, right? One man, one woman. They're already on a wrong path, and yet this was the custom, and he, he succumbed to the custom of the day. And so he marries both of them. And then we're going to see, we're going to pick up in chapter 29 with verse 31. We're going to start studying the life of Leah because I think we're going to find that this person we feel sorry for, especially as we read the very first verse today, you're going to go, oh, what a heartbreak. I think you're going to discover by the end of our passage, the end of our sermon, you're going to find that Leah is not somebody to feel sorry for, but somebody to celebrate because she had a wonderful life in spite of the hardships. We'll read verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, some translations say despised, 
Isn't that sad? When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben. And she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Sad. She's confessing that she doesn't have what she wants. She doesn't have the love of her husband. Ironically, Rachel doesn't have what she longs for, which is children. And Leah doesn't have what she longs for, which is the love of her husband. Leah Leah makes a confession, I don't have what I long for, the love of my husband, but maybe now he'll love me since I've given him this child. I've born this child to him. The the child was a sign of God's blessing upon her. And she she makes a, a marvelous statement of faith. And here we get to see this glimpse of her spiritual growth. In spite of not having what she longs for, she makes this good confession. She names him Reuben. God sees. That's a marvelous confession. That's a marvelous statement of faith. She is saying, even though I don't have what I long for, I understand something. God sees me. God notices It's the same confession that you and I ought to make as believers. It is whatever our situation is, even if we don't have what we desire at this moment, it's that we're not forgotten. God sees us. Sometimes, sometimes I got to confess that's that's really what I need the most is just to know that God knows that God sees me. A a real quick story. I was in my. uh, I was in my, uh, uh, I was in in school, and I was going to lunch one day. I, uh, I was in the first uh, few days of my folks springing their divorce uh, news on me, and I was depressed, and I didn't want to talk to anybody, and I was discouraged, and I and I wanted. I, I'm a bit of an introvert anyway, and and in times like these, you really don't want to talk to anybody. But there was this Christian girl who came over. By the way, I sat way in the corner. Uh, over by myself at a table at lunch, and this girl makes a beeline. I, I had seen her around school. I knew she was a Christian, and she came over and walked all the way. I could see her out of my peripheral vision, and I was thinking, oh, my gracious, I do not want to talk to anybody. And she came over, and she sat right across from me. So irritating. <laughs> Christians. I wasn't a believer at this point, I should say that. And she sat right across from me, and so I looked up at her and gave her the look like, I'm not ready to talk about anything. And she didn't say anything. You know, good. So I was piddling at my food, not really eating anything. And, and, and then she spoke a few minutes later. She said, I, I, I heard that your folks gave you some bad news. And I, I answered pleasantly, uh-huh. And she said, uh, nothing. She just kept eating. And a little bit later, she said, uh, my, my folks surprised me two years ago with the same news. That was the entire conversation. We didn't speak another word. My heart was so encouraged. You know why? 
because she was okay. I'd seen her around campus. I knew she was happy. And I knew that somebody knew, that somebody saw. And, 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 and there was something powerful about knowing that I wasn't all alone. That somebody knew, that somebody saw. There was power in that. If you're a believer, it's even better because God sees. The maker of the universe hasn't forgotten you. You, 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 you're not on your own. God sees. I, I think Lee is a good example for us to follow. Whatever our situation, we can have this absolute comfort that at least we know Reuben, meaning God sees us. And then we're going to pick it up in the next verse, 33. She conceives again and bears a son and says, because the Lord has heard that I'm unloved. He's therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Oh, boy, I really like Leah. Uh, she bears another son. And she confesses, well, maybe this time he'll love me. You see, you see, the, you see what the confession there is. He still doesn't love her. He still, she still doesn't have what she wants. She still doesn't have the love of her husband. And yet she makes another good confession. She names this son Simeon, meaning God has heard my prayer. God has heard. God hears. So not only do I like Leah because she provides a, a picture of a Christian in crisis, a believer in crisis, understanding that God sees us when we're in distress, but she also provides an example of someone who understands that God hears us when we cry out to him. Believer, you ought to follow the example of Leah and, not, and know not only that he sees you, but you can be absolutely sure of this. He hears you when you cry out to him. Does that blow your mind like it does mine? I, I absolutely, of course, I didn't come to faith until I was around 29 years of age, a professor at a state university, and one of the things that just blew me away then and it blows me away now is that the creator of the universe, the maker of the stars, the giver of life, the all-powerful ancient of days, when I call out to him, he, incl he inclines his ear to me. God hears. Oh, I like this woman Leah. She understands that even when she doesn't have what she wants, she, she understands that God inclines his ear to the one who cries out to him. God sees and God hears. And then... She conceives again in verse 34 and bears a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I've borne him three sons. And she named his name Levi. Boy, I could preach a whole other sermon right here on marriage. I'm going to just give a snippet of what it might be. But I won't preach the, the second sermon, Pastor. This is just free. This, this is free, and this, this is just free on top of everything. She, she, and I love Leah. She says, even though my husband still doesn't, she still doesn't have what she wants. Her, 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 
her prayer for her husband to love her, that, that prayer is still unanswered. And yet she names this son Levi, meaning God joins. Maybe now God will join my husband to me. Maybe now he'll fix my greatest problem. Her confession is, Levi, God joins or God fixes. Whatever your greatest problem is, she understands something that believers ought to understand. There are some problems that only God can fix. But my sermon that I'll not preach would be on marriage, which is, it's possible in marriage. See, Leah was legally married, right? She was legally married. She had children she was raising with Jacob. And yet, even culturally, legally in that society, with children, she was in every way married to Jacob, and yet she doesn't feel joined to him. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? That, that, that someone could be married and not feel joined, attached? I think we would confess, oh yeah, I can relate. Um, here's the sermon I would preach. It, it, would, it, would, it, would, it, would, it would basically deal with whose responsibility is it to make sure that there is attachment and joining. And, and my summary would all go back to the New Testament and God's uh, pattern of marriage and, and the New Testament's teaching on marriage, which says that the, that the pattern in marriage, the great mystery in marriage is of the gospel, the picture of the church and the bridegroom. The, the church is the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. And, and you want to know responsibilities, look at the responsibility of the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus with his church and the church and its responsibility to the bridegroom, right? That's a pretty good outline on responsibilities. And, and here's, here's what I would argue. I would argue that the responsibility for feeling attached and joined is heavily upon the husband. And, and, and here's why. We often act like it's the job of the wife to enter into the world of the husband and, and figure out how to attach herself to the husband. But it is... It is the pattern in, in the New Testament that God the Son entered into our world. He entered into our world. And that's the job of the husband. Boy, that's countercultural to American Christianity and American marriages, isn't it? Husbands, it's your responsibility to enter into the world of your wife so that she feels attached to you. And all the women said, Amen. And all the men said, Move on. That wasn't the sermon you came to preach on this morning. Right? She does understand that God fixes and God joins. Good, good statement of faith. Good sermon on marriage there that somebody should preach someday. And then she conceived in verse 35 again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah, meaning praise the Lord. And she stopped bearing at least for a while. And here we see a real growth spurt. We see a real turning point, a, a real sense of maturing in Leah. We, we, we see Leah getting to a point where I'm afraid a lot of Christians never get to in their spiritual growth. She still doesn't have what she longs for. Get that. 
She still doesn't have the attachment that she longs for. She still doesn't have the love of Jacob, and she longs for that. She still doesn't have this feeling of joined and attachment to him. And yet, she comes to a point in her spiritual maturity that she understands something that most of us don't get, but she finally gets it and confesses it. And this is what I think is the background. I believe Leah gets to a point where she finally understands it really ain't all about Leah anyway. It's not about what she feels. It's not about whether she gets what she wants. What she understands is... In reality, it's all about the Lord. She gets to a point where she decides, whether I get what I want or not, praise the Lord. The Lord be praised regardless of my situation, regardless of whether I ever get what I want or not. Praise the Lord. Listen, listen, Christian. It may be on this side of glory. You never get what your heart desires. That doesn't mean God doesn't deserve to be praised. You know why? Because He's the Ancient of Days. He's the Creator. He's the Lord of Lords. And if if Rachel can say, in spite of everything, praise the Lord, so can we. We ought to make that same confession. Regardless of our situation, regardless if things are good or things are bad, we ought to be able to say, praise the Lord. Why? Because he's God and he deserves to be praised regardless of the situation. Like Job, though he slay me, still I'll praise him. Still I'll honor him. Still I'll serve him. Like Meshach, Chadrach, and Abednego, even our God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, still we'll not dishonor him. Oh, I, I, think that's, I think that's a point of maturity in Rachel and it's one of the, uh, in, in Leah. And that's one of the reasons I really am attracted to this marvelous woman in the Old Testament. One of the reasons I, I, I quit feeling sorry for her for a long time ago. And I began to think I want to be more like Leah. I want to get to the point where I understand that regardless of the situation, I'm going to praise the Lord. Now we're going to skip ahead. Skipping over some things that if I were preaching a sermon on marriage, I would concentrate on. Because we're going to see in the next few verses, if we were preaching the next few verses, a dysfunctional family when things aren't according to God's design in marriage. She and her sisters begin to compete for each for a, uh, to compete with each other and begin to give their maid servants for to their husband to have more children on their behalf and all kinds of issues evolve out of that but we're going to pick up in chapter 30 verse 17 as Leah begins to bear children again she has two more take heart there's just two more I'm just covering six of them I've already got four so take heart put a smile on your face it's just two more we're almost through God listened to Leah and she conceived and bore Jacob in verse 17 a fifth son Leah said, God has given me my wages because I've given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Issachar, meaning God rewards. God gives just wages. God rewards. Now, scholars will debate whether she understood why God rewarded her. I think that's a healthy debate worth having. We'll not go into why, whether she understood the real reasons God rewarded. But she does make a confession that's true. Even though she doesn't have what she wants, still, she makes a true confession and one that we ought to understand as well. And that is, 
God rewards or God gives just wages. Do do, do you believe that, that God gives just wages? Romans says God gives just wages. Isn't that true? Romans says that the wages of sin is death, right? People want just wages until you you bring up Romans, right? Everybody wants wants just wages until you bring up that uh, spiritually the wages of sin is death and, and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the good news is that he died on the cross and paid the price for our sin. He took our just wages upon himself. And instead, for those who believe that he died for us on the cross, that he was buried and three days later rose from the dead, he promises that he's going to bring back someday our just rewards. Right? In Revelation. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. He's going to return someday, and with him, he's going to bring his rewards for those who believe. God, through Jesus Christ, gives rewards to those who have trusted him on the cross, and he gives the just wages to those who've rejected his burial, death, burial, and resurrection, right? There's a truth there, so so I'm just dropping the gospel in here because the gospel appears in the pages of Genesis just like it does on every other page in the Bible that we're, we're seeing here this marvelous truth that God gives just wages and he gives rewards through grace to those who trust him on uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, amen? That's a truth that she she hints at there in uh, verse 17. And then finally, Leah conceives again in verse 19 and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Some translation, God say, say, translations say God honors me. God has honored me with a good honor. Now my husband will dwell with me because I've borne him six sons. So she called his name Zebulun. God honored me or God endowed me. I like both of those translations, but you know I am a college president, so I prefer the endowment. Uh, God has endowed me with a great endowment. You know why I really like endowment? Not just because, uh, because, I, because I seek endowments, but because I know what endowments do. They are, they are permanent blessings. They are gifts that keep on giving in perpetuity. God has honored me. God has endowed me with this great endowment. God has given me this Zebulun, an endowment. Even though my husband has not honored me, even though I have no endowment from my husband, God has endowed me. You you see, what she realizes is that even though there's no honor from her husband, she, she understands that God has honored her. God has endowed her with an endowment that is in perpetuity, one that keeps on blessing and never runs out. It's in perpetuity. It's forever. It never, it never dries up. It's a blessing that is a blessing now and a blessing tomorrow and a blessing next year and a blessing a year after that and the year after that, and it never ends. That's the kind of God that we serve. She understands something about God's blessings. They never end. Oh, if we would understand that as believers, I think we could, I think we could endure a lot more disappointment than even what we have. I like Leah, don't you? 
I think she had a wonderful life, don't you? I, I think she understood some spiritual truths that, that the believer ought to understand. And by the way, that's not the only reason I like her, I, and not the only reason I think she had a wonderful life. A couple of quick things, and we'll be through. Of the 12 tribes of Israel, she bore six of them herself. Six of the tribes of Israel, she bore herself. Two others were credited to, to her, but six she bore, to, she, she bore to Jacob herself, including the oldest, which was a place of prominence. Not a, not a small deal. But, but let, me, let, me mention, let me mention two of them. Moses, who does he trace his lineage through? Not Rachel, Le Leah, because he was a Levite. You understand then that all of the priests, all of those who represented God to the people, the people to God, those traced their lineage through God's choice of Leah. Well, I think there's a line at Leah's mansion in glory. People wanted to see this blessed woman. And, 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 and you did... You did catch the name of that fourth son, Judah. Of course, our Messiah, that one who died on the cross for our sins, the one who was buried and rose three days later, the one who ascended into heaven and the one who has promised to come back one day and say, enough, that's it, let's go home, my own children. That one is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah who traces his lineage, earthly lineage, right back through Leah. You don't think God had his hand on this woman? <coughs> you don't think she was blessed? You don't think she had a wonderful life? Oh, that would be enough, wouldn't it? <coughs> listen, I'm through. That would be, but listen, I'm through. Because I do think that she got her prayers answered even before she got to glory. You read between the lines in chapter 49, and uh, just take my word for it, and you can go back and read it after church. In Goshen of Egypt, Jacob's been reunited with Joseph. The, all the 12 sons have been living there and prospering, and, and the family is big. And now Jacob's on his deathbed. Chapter 49, he calls all 12 sons to his side to, to pronounce prophecies and blessings upon them. In chapter 49, he's, he's pronouncing these blessings, and then he makes this statement. He says, on his deathbed, don't bury me here in Goshen in Egypt. When I die, take my body back and bury it in the promised land. Promise me you'll bury me back in the field that Abraham bought, in the cave of Machpelah that, that Abraham bought. You remember that scene? Go back and read it, chapter 49. He said, bury me in the cave that Abraham bought where Abraham is buried and where he buried his beloved wife, Sarah. Where my father, Isaac, is buried and where he buried his beloved wife, Rebecca, and where I buried... Leah. You see, Rachel 
died giving birth to her youngest son, Benjamin, on the way to Bethlehem. And he buried her there on the way to Bethlehem. If you ever visit Jerusalem, you'll see Rachel's tomb. Bethlehem. And it was Leah, who's still a young woman, around childbirth, uh, still around childbirthing years, who became his only wife, still relatively young. It was Leah who raised Benjamin and Joseph and the other ten sons. It was Leah who grew old with Jacob. And it was Leah who Jacob chose to bury in the tomb of the patriarchs. It was Leah who Jacob chose to honor in the end. Oh, Leah, don't ever feel sorry for her again. She had a wonderful life. And as a believer in Jesus, so can you. And if there's somebody here that's not a believer in Jesus, who've never trusted Jesus as their Savior, in a few moments your pastor and his staff will uh, have their time of uh, receiving you and whatever the custom is here, I pray that you give your heart, you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and, and turn your life over to Him and start this new adventure. Walking with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, give faith to those without and strengthen those who belong to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I turned it off. My fault. You know, God's been at work. And God is at work right now in some incredible ways. For example, next week, we are beginning a journey through two incredible passages that Jesus taught dealing with our marriages. As I, as I sat there today, I thought, God, it's, you're so amazing how we, we get to hear this morning as a really a preview for us as a church as we work through our marriages, as we get a vision for God's plan for marriage, which whether you're a senior adult and your spouse has passed away or whether you are uh, in the middle of marriage right now in your life and you're, and you're maybe in a downtime. You know, today is my 23rd anniversary. Robin and I have been married 23 years today. Yeah, thanks. And, and you know what? We've had some ups. We've had some downs. You know, there have been times that we've been, uh, it's been going good in our marriage. There have been times we've had to work through marriage. And um, what an awesome story for us to encounter. Before we jump into God's vision for marriage, which all of us need, our teenagers need God's vision for marriage, our single folks need God's vision for marriage, our, our senior adults who may not ever be married again if their spouse has passed away need to pass on God's view of marriage, our couples that are in the midst of marriage 
need God's vision for marriage. And here is, here is Leah, who had to work through difficulties. But God saw her. God helped her. And, and you know what? If you're here today without Jesus, can I tell you that he's brought you here to let you know that he sees you, he's with you, he's, he's calling you, and, and you need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take? And that's why we give invitations here. Because, because we're all about paying attention to God calling us and moving. This is why we are often out of our seat and on our feet. Because we are prepared. God, we are ready to move when you move us. And so, as, as we have an invitation, maybe you're in the middle of a downtime in your marriage. Well, well, over the next eight weeks, we're going to dive into what God says about marriage. And maybe you need to come and say, Lord, my heart's open to you. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you need to just say, God, I praise you for our marriage. Maybe you need to come and say, God, look, I don't even know that you're in my life. We're going to be down front. And if you have questions about your relationship with God, we want you to know we want to help you. God's put us in your life for a reason. We invite you to come. So would you stand right where you are?